You have to make yourself relevant again. You, you have no choice. Brought to you by iLand, this is the Cloud Bytes Podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bites in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about the concerns customers have with trusting cloud providers. My name is Brian Knudsen, the Director of Cloud Market Intelligence for iLand, and I will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a great cross-section of IT experience. Let's start by having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when considering concerns about trust in the cloud. My name is John Hildebrand. I'm a field CTO at the company Cohesity. And when it comes to trust in the cloud, well, I put the same sort of level of trust as what I would do in my data center. I'm Shannon Keen. I'm a senior cloud advocate on the enterprise platforms and tools team, where I focus on community outreach for the Azure VMware solution. When it comes to trust, I often have conversations with customers surrounding what happens in their day-to-day operations and if there's any concerns. So very similar to probably what a lot of customers go through. How do you handle your on-prem day-to-day? Because there's things you can do in terms of having that level of trust show up in the cloud. Thanks. I'm Luigi Danikos. I am currently a professional services engineer for a small VAR called CyberNorth in the Northeast. And my version of trust on the cloud is zero trust. I don't trust too much technology. So um, my wife said it best when you should have prior proper planning. And that is my my go-to for anything is prior proper planning. Great. Thank you all for joining me. Trust is hard to earn and easy to lose. When migrating to the cloud, customers transfer their data onto an infrastructure they have little or no visibility into or control over. Trust is a key component of the relationship with any cloud provider. Unfortunately, security and availability lapses in the cloud are big news, which rightfully makes for trust to be a concern. John, let's start with you. I'm interested in what you find is important for customers to know about and to be on the lookout for when they're concerned about whether or not they can trust a cloud provider. Well, I think... So my personal perspective on this, having also worked on, say, a MSP side of the equation, so it's kind of a very similar discussion in that regard. The question that we got asked a lot is, what are we giving up and what are we getting? And the giving up portion is where a lot of folks at the prospective customer that's where things can go off the rails rather easily. I mean, when you talk about do they have complete control over an application set versus some things that may be clogging up their time, which is patching an operating system or some of the low-level tasks that you would have operations teams working on. In a lot of cases, most people tend to try to move to the cloud to get rid of those things. You want to pay somebody else to take care of some of those problems. And the thing that you have here is ultimately you're probably going to have to do a lot of word of mouth with the prospective companies that you're going to work with. Are there folks around you who are using these services? What are they using them for? What potentially makes sense? I mean, we've seen the mistakes 
of folks trying to just automatically assume their 30 year old application is going to work in the cloud. So you have to be rather selective. And my personal feeling is you got to ask as many questions as possible. It's kind of like interviewing for a job. If you're not asking questions of the place that you're looking at, you're not really basing your decision on some of the factors that impact your business day to day. So you have to be an active participant and not just assume I'm going to AWS or I'm going to some other MSP with a cloud style offering available from them as well. When John was talking, I just remembered when I was in SE and interacting with customers in the Midwest and, and maybe it's a geographical thing, but in the Midwest, Customers were very adamant about not going with someone like AWS because they were more worried about intellectual property being stolen. And that's a big trust issue, right? Whereas in the Northeast, you get a little more AWS, but the Midwest was very high centric. Microsoft Azure is the stack that they were looking at going with because of that. I don't know if that falls in the realm of what you were talking about, John. Well, it could be, but I also argue the fact that a lot of the prospective customers that I talked to while working at that service provider, when we were talking about diversifying where the applications were running, weaving the cloud into operations outside of the data centers that we specifically ran. Yes, I would say it was a smattering across the board of who wanted to go with what. And a lot of that came with whose CIO was talking with somebody else's CIO. And in a lot of cases, maybe not necessarily the tech folks were necessarily involved in some of those decision-making because a lot of the cloud discussions were happening at the business side of the equation. And there's always, you know, if I had 20 fingers, I could probably be able to show you exactly how many times miscommunication between the business and the technical side happens within an organization and the outcomes that have to deal with it that are very painful to that particular organization. Oh, no, I know that firsthand because I had one customer that was getting, you know, we had direct insights into their leadership and they literally asked us at one meeting, they said, well, what's the executives saying they want to do because they weren't communicating it down and the vision that they had and whatnot. And we had to try to adapt technology to them. You know, I want to add a little thought in here as well. A big trend, at least as of the last year or two, is to think about multi-cloud plus hybrid. You know, we've dealt with technology for years and years and years and years and years, and it goes through evolutions and you can't 100% trust every single side of this. I think there's always going to be a single point of failure. So a lot of these bigger enterprises are going forward with a multi-cloud approach plus hybrid. And the idea is to reduce the hybrid footprint over time and kind of find themselves in one or to well, hopefully two clouds if they are multi-cloud. But the idea here to not put all your eggs in one specific basket because a problem that might plague Azure may not plague AWS or a problem that might plague AWS might not affect Azure, right? I think the way in which these bigger companies administer and distribute their systems is a little bit different. And so, you know, the idea of kind of figuring out maybe which business units might be a good fit for a specific cloud vendor. Sometimes that's just a little bit of a conversation, a little bit of a get to know you, some of the interview type questions that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and I could go back as well, uh, noticing that when I was working for that MSP, that one of the things that we hosted was AS400 based applications. 
I still have yet to see any of the major cloud providers provide AS400s for folks to be able to move some things. So, and especially when you get into factors like latency is a very important thing for some of those applications. So I think ultimately, maybe it's not an all or none type of discussion that folks should be having, but maybe a what makes sense in a long-term strategy. Like if I can offload on-premises exchange to Office 365, I'm going to do that every single day I possibly can because on-premises exchange is just an absolute pain to have to keep managed. And not only that, we're seeing lately, it's a huge security risk on-premises as well because it's constantly being targeted. So the more that I can give in the event of maybe application base and start to then build the trust. I mean, it's no different than trying to win internally, win over an internal group with a slow roll of a change of approach of something, whether it's moving from an ITIL-based operation style to more of, dare I say, a DevOps kind of model when it comes to these things. You have to have low wins first and then build up. I think in some cases, it's not necessarily the trust with an organization with cloud provider. I think it's a trust within levels of an organization to realize what they're using and what they're potentially moving towards when it comes to utilizing the cloud. I think it's a pretty fair assessment, honestly, in terms of everything I've seen over the course of the last handful of years. Yeah, and we actually do have an episode that will be kind of focused around the, you have a lot of stuff on premises that may not be ready to move to the cloud. How do you deal with the fact that you still have this quote unquote baggage in the data center that you may not be ready to move up there? And of course, the underlying solution to that is just move what's ready to move. And as long as you can deal with the latency in between them, then everything should be good. Doesn't need to be an all or nothing, essentially. But you also have to be prepared if you're going to move things back from the cloud as well. Because I've seen that happen where a large telephone company or cable provider, whatever they are considered today, you know, spending millions of dollars a year on cloud decides to roll things back because of budget concerns on the cloud stuff. I mean, we've all heard the stories of someone leaving a VM running and next thing you know, they have a huge bill that they weren't expecting from a cost perspective. Yeah, I definitely heard stories like that too. And another thing that can really drive customers away is, you know, outages and incidents happen. And those are inevitable in IT. I mean, even the cloud has outages that occur. And we hear about that in the news all the time. Shannon, from your perspective, should an outage or security incident involving the cloud provider be considered a complete breach of trust? Is there any reason to trust a provider that has had a service disruption? So that gets to some interesting territory, right? I often think transparency is key. And I think what you're seeing right now related to the cloud vendors is they are also kind of moving forward in that realm. I don't see any one cloud provider kind of gloss over the problem. I see them try and make engineering efforts to maintain resiliency, increase resiliency. And what I've seen, and it's not you know one vendor over another, the issues that plague them aren't always the same issue. If you read all of the RCA notes, it's things in which they're trying to make the system better and things that kind of spun on its tail because of the fact that they're trying to maintain systems for customers that are worldwide customers. So there's never a good time for a change window and there's testing that they do in different rings, but 
things do happen. And it's a matter of keeping that transparency open. And I've seen that, you know, with Azure, I've seen that with AWS, I've seen that even with like GCP, right? That nobody's immune, unfortunately. So I think transparency is key. And I guess it's up to the customer if that level of transparency is efficient enough or sufficient enough, because I think that's where it really starts to become a trickier conversation is if the customer feels like not enough was being communicated, then they may very well stay on-prem or they may very well pick a different vendor. My personal feelings on this is the fact that when it comes to the cloud providers, specifically, you know, talk about the big two, three, whatever you want to call them, at least, you know, I would say that there's some cloud providers I wouldn't lump in there, but let's, let's just say Azure, AWS, they've had their fair share of service disruptions, but those SLAs are out there for a reason. There's contractual obligations that put things in there to expect as a customer that six nines equals 100% is a little lofty from an expectation perspective. And in a lot of cases, we're also considering things like speeds and feeds. There's some things, I mean, when we talk about access to the cloud, many of us don't have last mile connectivity directly to some of these providers. We may have two on-ramp locations, but there are a lot of factors for access that you would consider a service disruption that end up being blamed on the provider when it had nothing to do with the provider. I mean, at the end of the day, it was cannot get to application A. Yeah. Okay. Why or why not? Is it something because the virtual machine instances in, well, let's pick US West or US West one were down for some particular reason? No, it was because we had a fiber cut somewhere in the Midwest and it disrupted the traffic pattern for our business to get to it. Well, then there's a lot of defending that you have to do for the SLA. But at the end of the day, I consider the SLA as the key. And at that particular point, if the provider violates the SLA, generally you get money back and you're passing this off to them in the first place because you don't want to deal with it on premises. So to think that something would have to be so bad that you would put it in the cloud and then bring it back because of a breach of trust. I mean, you would have to have some sort of major incident. And we haven't even discussed things like security breaches and other sorts of things that cannot be attributed back to the customer and their space alone. John, you actually touched on something. A couple of weeks ago, I was out in Nashville at my auntie's house and we're sitting there watching a movie. And next thing you know, it just stops. Like the entire internet just died at her house. And we're like, what's going on? And no one really understood what was going on. Well, come to find out, unbeknownst to anyone, right? Or out of, you know, spectrums, I think that's who they have control. Someone vandalized internet lines somewhere and it disrupted an entire area of Tennessee because of that, right? You kind of have to plan for it, right? We had a plan B. We went to a DVD, right? That was our plan B. From a business perspective, you kind of have to plan for outages. I always resort to Twitter, right? When my Xbox Live isn't working, right? Because that's the biggest cloud service that I personally use is Xbox. And when the Xbox Live service isn't working, right? I'm like, ah, I go to the Twitters, right? And I kind of vent there. But I know on the back end that people are trying to get it back as soon as possible, right? And businesses, you just have to plan for it. You have to know what happens. What do we do if something isn't accessible? 
or goes down. And if it continues to go down, that's when you look at the multi-cloud approach as well. Maybe we'll move some of these workloads over to this cloud provider to kind of have that high availability if possible. But you're not going to stop someone if they vandalize fiber line or network connectivity. That's out of everyone's control. Yeah, I like the idea of the SLA conversation as well. You can tell it's been a little bit since I've dealt with customers directly. I mostly do a lot of the one-to-many conversations surrounding why you would pick something like Azure VMware solution. And the SLA was always a hot topic and a hot button issue when there was a specific situation or a service outage. And I think that's another kind of thing that it's lumped into transparency because that's something you work on as you're negotiating a contract with a cloud vendor. The SLA is something that, you know, if there's a breach on SLA, you'll get a credit. If that credit is not enough for you to feel happy or content with the service, then obviously it's a matter of at what point do you leave, go to a different vendor or move it back on-prem. And a lot of times I've run into customers that they see these things and they continue to be hesitant towards the cloud and the next outage pushes them back another year before they're willing to even consider it again. And ultimately what it comes down to, if I can really drill into them and get an answer out of them, they're going to say they don't trust the cloud. And Luigi, you've dealt with a ton of customers directly. So I'm curious what you can or should advise those customers to do if they simply don't trust any cloud provider. I mean, what can they do to get over that? Well, if you look at today, what really people are looking for within the cloud is just to worry about their applications, right? And the services that they can provide to do the business and work with the data that they have on hand, right? To make the business run or to do better. The conversations that we've had about that is, and I know from a VMware's perspective and other organizations, you're going to hear them talk about the cloud operating model, right? Where you kind of give that experience that people are accustomed to, but it's really about changing the mindset of people because cloud is great for certain things, but it's also bad for certain things. And if you don't trust the cloud, it's how can you change your mindset in your IT organization to think differently, right? When I do presentations on this, I always bring up the book, Who Moved My Cheese? And about how you have to think differently and stay on your toes. And then I always go back to my wife because she has this embedded in my head with the prior proper planning for things is going to be crucial for getting your organization down a certain path for change because change is inevitable, just like the seconds on the clock are taken away. But as far as trusting cloud providers is, I think you have to start small, start with some small workloads and see if it actually is a fit for your organization. If it's not, how can you make that within a reasonable budget on-prem, you know, within your own data centers to provide that level of service and expectations that the consumers are becoming accustomed to, right? We're accustomed to things now, like we want it now. We don't want to wait, you know, a month for something to be provisioned, right? We want it now. We want to have that VM up and running. We want to have that availability, right? I want to go to my Xbox and turn it on and it be available, right? I want that data from a business perspective. If I'm a CEO, what's our latest earnings? I need to know what, what do we have problems with? And if you can't get that from the cloud there, Most of my conversations on trust issues with the cloud was around one particular vendor and more worried about people stealing intellectual property, right? So they were worried more about security aspect of it. And is someone going to take their idea and turn it into their own spin of it? When it comes to it, I think asking somebody, why don't you trust the cloud? 
is going to be a very open-ended answer. And unfortunately, I think what you're going to end up getting is a lot of generalizations back. And Luigi, you pointed out to it, and I alluded to it earlier. This is where minor victories switching models for maybe applications come into play. Uh So instead of the time and effort it takes, again, to run an on-prem exchange, consider a M365 migration at that point, especially if you're heavily integrated into things like SharePoint and if you're already using Teams and some of those other components that kind of make up the suite that comes up with the whole M365 architecture. Once you start getting to those sorts of things, and not only that, experimenting with other maybe SaaS-based applications as replacement for on-prem, then maybe some of those reasons for the cloud not being trusted start to erode a little bit because you're starting to prove some of them wrong. I think the problem is with some folks is they jump into this, okay, we're going to move to the cloud. They really have no idea what that means, but they have this grand vision that their on-premises data center is going away. And 99.9% of the time, that's not happening. Right. But you need to show wins utilizing cloud services because it's not an all or nothing. It's a win in one camp versus win in another camp. And, you know, kind of the whole adage of win a couple of battles and maybe the tide of the war can be turned into your particular favor at that point. Yeah. Well, John, you made me think of one customer that we had out there in a Nebraska area, right? The Midwest. A new CEO, CTO came in and was like, we're moving everything to the cloud. No plan, just I want everything out in the cloud. But had no actual feasibility into how they were going to do that. They were just like, nope, everything's going to the cloud. But you also made me think while you were talking is one of the number one reasons people don't trust the cloud is people, right? People, people are scared, right? It's not something that people think about is they're scared about losing their jobs and if they're going to still be able to provide it for their families. if something changes, right? And they get complacent and they enjoy that complacency. Well, yeah. Comfort in IT is something I can attest to that back earlier in my career, but you did mention change is inevitable. So Mm -hmm. upskill, change the skills. You're not going to be a SQL admin for 35 years. You're not going to administer active directory without active directory changing. I mean, we go back Look at AD from Windows Server 2000 to what it is now in you know 2019 and all the integrations into like Azure Active Directory and things like that. It changes. So the inevitability of change is it's going to happen at that particular point. Get on the bus and ride to new skills because you never know what new heights you're going to be rather than worried about what the lows could potentially be. You're upskilling at that point. Those skills could become much more handy in the whole industry as time goes on. So it's a coin at that point. You can either dwell on the negative side of the flip or you can dwell on the positive side of the flip. Well, then you're seeing these vendors that are taking the consideration that they've met developers where they are. You've now got solutions, these entire enterprise platforms that you're meeting the sysadmin where they are. Take, for example, the Azure VMware solution. A sysadmin that's familiar with vSphere doesn't have to go and retool all of their skills. And that should, in theory, lessen the anxiousness surrounding a digital transformation. Now, it does come with a price tag, but sometimes that price tag is more or less not relevant because of the fact that they don't have to spend the time upskilling. 
So it's interesting, like there's always this kind of catch 22 and you're trying to see these vendors solve for all of these different interesting scenarios that they probably didn't even think about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when all of these systems were even initially thought about. And I will go one step further and you talk about some of these other systems like VMware on and put in your parentheses, whatever cloud that's out there. Right. But things like the companies that are reversing it and bringing things on premises like Azure with Azure Stack and AWS with Outposts. The whole idea is if you're either connectivity bound or again, latency issues related to potential applications of legacy nature sitting in your data center, now what you can do is bring some subsets of these components and try to gain some of those cloud consumption models or in some case, the developer consumption models locally within your data center at that particular point. So there are ways to kind of bring the cloud to you while you also bring yourself to the cloud. So there's a way, you know, the Venn diagram is pretty big and gray in between cloud and data center as far as where potentially these sort of services can meet at. So the realization is, is Originally, when Microsoft was talking about this, I remember AWS scoffing at the idea. And then it's hilarious to see AWS push out outposts, which is essentially, again, Azure Stack. Right. So the whole idea is there's a market for those sorts of things. There are going to be battlegrounds when it comes on the individual application layer. And to some degree, if you can't trust sending your data to a nondescript data center that's just listed again as like US West 1, well bring a little bit of that back to your data center, try it out and see if this is the direction things are going to go. There are ways to toe dip into this that aren't just full on cannonball into the cloud lake. And I think that's one of the models, right? Dip your toe in, don't jump in, don't try and boil the ocean, it's going to bite you. That's where a lot of the negative sentiments surround themselves in, you know, the idea that you want to try and move everything. Well, did you even do an assessment? Do you even know what you have? Do you have any inventory of the systems that you're running? And I feel like nine times out of 10, customers don't know what they have. So the idea of having to go through this assessment period is often frustrating, especially when you have C-level executive buy-in to move everything to the cloud. Because the folks in the trenches understand they can't just wave a magical wand and move. I mean, if we did, we'd all be wizards and part of Harry Potter, but we're not. So it's a tougher world to think through when you have this push to the cloud and when you start to move these bigger systems and you don't really have this long sort of standing series of wins, it becomes very frustrating. And your trust just flips almost instantaneously when a system can't be you know, thought of as a reliable system in any cloud provider. So, Shannon, what, what I'm getting out of this is I can't just say hocus pocus cloud and everything's going to be there. <laughs> I really do wish you could. You know, I, I've always seen the value in moving systems and solutions to somebody else in terms of the burden of responsibility, because I just often think to myself, I love the fact that I get less text messages, less critical email notifications at this point in my career, and as well as all of the other folks that are still kind of in those operational roles, right? It's always kind of a, a dicey scenario because it doesn't always work the way you expect. So start with the smaller, low-hanging fruit. Have those great wins. Don't start with your most complex solution because it will probably bite you and you won't like the reality, I don't think. I think you made a great point, though, and it reminded me of on the assessment side. 
right? We had a customer, right? They moved the workloads, right? Some application to the cloud. And all of a sudden, something wasn't working. Well, they forgot a dependency that they completely forgot about this one physical device that was in, you know, some random location of theirs that stopped the entire application from being moved over to the cloud. And you have to be aware of that. Like, you know, and you're right, there's people that have stuff that they don't know stuff. There's people that have done shadow IT where, you know, people have built stuff and made dependencies on other things without people realizing it because they just were trying to get stuff to work. You were spot on with that statement. I would agree. And this is probably a great place to wrap up because throughout all of the discussion, there's been one really great summary that's spread through all those, which is take your time to investigate, plan it, build trust over time by building your cloud business slowly over time. Like John said, dip your toe into it and not just dive right in. In that process, you know, you need to ask as many questions as possible. You need to understand what you're getting into both on the provider side and the business side of you so that you're in lockstep on both sides, that you fully understand what the business side needs and that the provider side can provide that. And ultimately that trust then gets built over time so that, you know, you don't have to feel like everything goes at once and be able to understand and prove out the things that the provider side was saying that they were going to give you and the business side actually getting what they need. When it comes to outages, you know, those happen and when you're looking at the front end, that investigation stage, look for cloud providers with transparency. Look at their SLAs. How are they going to deal with these outages? And ultimately, you should plan for outages. You know, you shouldn't assume that everything in the cloud is going to stay up all the time. So how are you going to deal with that? You know, you still need a DR plan for things that are in the cloud. And again, dipping your toe in there gives you the opportunity to really test the waters and how that cloud provider is going to handle those situations before you're fully committed to them. And definitely makes it possible for you to be able to do a multi-cloud strategy of, hey, they didn't do so great at this. So this next application, we're going to try somewhere else. Or maybe you jump in straight away and say, I'm going to throw some here, here, and here and see how they go. Leave everything fairly generic so that's easy for me to migrate it around if I need to. But in the end, all that requires a mindset change. You know, you need to think about what makes sense to go to the cloud and only move what makes sense to the cloud. And be prepared to deal with the fact that people are scared. Help them understand that this is one of those inevitable changes that is going to come. And it's best to just address it head on and, and look at it as an opportunity to be able to learn more. And as you're looking at that and trying to address that fear, maybe the solution is to look for a cloud that meets you closer to where you are, that doesn't require you to completely rewrite an application or to completely refactor something. A lot of people like lift and shift because it is easy. It allows you to get there faster and, and realize the value quicker and you know, even if that is within your own data center so that you can maintain better control over that. So a lot of really, really great conversation and tidbits in here. So I really, really did enjoy that conversation. But unfortunately, it's time to end this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. So thank you, John, Shannon, and Luigi for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out all the episode notes, the panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. And if you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you rating and review us on those applications and sharing with your friends and colleagues. But thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast.
giving advice on how to trust something is really hard because everybody finds trust in different ways. But I, I thought this was a great outline for people to look at. So well done.